Welcome to the Women on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Sam Saperstein. Today's episode is a special feature from our seventh annual Leadership Day. This is J.P. Morgan Chase's annual conference dedicated to propelling women forward in their personal and professional lives. The day has evolved from a small internal gathering into a can't-miss event for thousands of clients and employees. The following discussion is between Cheryl Swoops, WNBA legend, Sam Rappaport, Senior Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for the NFL, and Lauren Tyler, Head of HR for J.P. Morgan Asset and Wealth Management. They explored themes of inclusion, motherhood, and diversity in sports during their time on the stage. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Title IX came to be in 1972. It's celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. Cheryl, when you began in basketball, at, I think with your brothers, if I mm-hmm. understand correctly, but then you played in college, what did Title IX do to affect your college experience in playing basketball? Can I say something before I answer your question? Like, this is so dope to be sitting up here. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> like, listen, I just have to say thank you to J.P. Morgan Chase, to everyone who's responsible for getting me here. This one over here, y'all were here from her too, but <laughs> Sam is pretty dope herself. <laughs> so for me, I started playing ball when I was seven years old, and to your point, I grew up with two brothers, and basketball was my life. Like, I just needed a ball, didn't have to have a hoop, nothing, just a ball. And when I think about where we are today and celebrating 50 years of Title IX and what Title IX has meant, not just to myself, but to every, everyone in this room, men and women. And I say, had it not been for Title IX, I probably wouldn't be sitting in this seat today. I remember just growing up and really trying to understand my place, like, mm-hmm. like where do I fit? Where do I belong as a female athlete? And to be very honest with you, I didn't really understand the impact that Title IX had on me back in the day, but I completely understand the impact that it had on my life and everyone else's today. But I do remember in college going back and forth with the men's team and the women's team, and I could never understand why we as women, we always had to work out in, they call it, the girls' gym. Mm. And the girls' gym was the smaller of the two gyms. And I remember having this conversation with my coach one day about, well, that's not fair. Like, why is it that the men, the boys get the bigger gym every single day and, you know, for practice and games, even if we had a game, we had to work out in the small gym. And I remember her having that conversation with me about Title IX and the impact Title IX would have. And and I can honestly say today that I truly understand the significance of it. And if it were not for Title IX, neither myself nor Sam would be in the positions that we are today. So 26 years ago, the WNBA started. It's an institution. Girls now think, I can't wait to play basketball and be a WNBA star. What does that mean to you to create such an institution? It means everything to me. I remember when the WNBA first started after the 96 Olympics and having a conversation with Val Ackerman and the late David Stern about the WNBA starting. And I'm a firm believer that representation matters, right? So for every little girl out there that ever had dreams and goals and aspirations of playing professional basketball, here in the United States and not having to go abroad, not having to go overseas and play because I had that journey as well. 
I take a lot of pride in who I am and what I've been able to do for every little girl out there who has had dreams of someday playing in the WNBA and to see that dream come to fruition. I honestly couldn't ask for anything better. There's a lot I could ask for, but I couldn't <laughs> ask for anything better for every young girl out there who now knows that those dreams can come true. Love that. I'm a huge basketball fan and I watch too much. Coaches, there are lots of women coaches out there, but how has that landscape changed and what was a driving factor in making that change in the WNBA as well as college? I may be a little different, so I might get a few boos, but <laughs> I'm used to boos too. When you look at women who are coaching, whether that's in college or the pros now, great example, and I'm sure everyone in here, Becky Hammond, right? Becky Hammond coaching with the Spurs and not given opportunities to coach on the NBA side. And so now she goes to the WNBA, wins her first championship with the Las Vegas Aces, which I think is great. I hate people having a conversation thinking that you're only coaching women until you can get a better opportunity. And so that better opportunity is what coaching men. I don't necessarily agree with that. Is the money better? Absolutely on the men's side. But I love the fact that we can keep some of our best players, because Becky was a great player, but also a coach, keep them on the women's side to be able to lead and teach and mentor the young women because I think our young women need that just as much as the young men do. Yesterday I was watching a little video of Kara Lawson mm -hmm. and she had this great line. She said, you know, it doesn't get easier, you just get better at harder. I mean, I love that. All right, so now we're gonna go to the coach side. Sam, you have created a forum. Tell us for women to get these great roles, but tell us about your journey I didn't say that you were a quarterback. By the way, Sam played tackle football and was a quarterback in tackle football, women's <laughs> league. So Sam, tell us a little bit about your journey in the NFL and your journey to the forum. Sure, yeah, so I've been at the NFL for 21 years. This is my 21st season, and about six, seven years ago, I looked around, I was on the sidelines, and I looked around at the NFL, and I asked myself, where the hell are all the women, right? It was all men on the coaching side, on the scouting side, officiating side, and I decided that I wanted to be the one to change that. And so I did what anyone who had found their passion would do. I cornered my boss. You might know. That's a nugget. Yeah, Commissioner Roger Goodell. <laughs> while we were co-hosting a flag football tournament together, and I told him that, Roger, I have this dream. If you hand me the ball, I can get this done. And I have to be honest with you, I had absolutely no idea if I could get this done, right? Taking on the patriarchy in football, it was a seemingly insurmountable challenge, but I knew I had to be the one to do it. And so, lo and behold, he handed me the ball, put me in touch with the right people, and a couple months later, the NFL Women's Forum was born, which is a program where we take women in entry-level coaching opportunities, and we put them in a room with NFL head coaches, general managers, owners, and we give them an opportunity to impress and potentially get hired. At the beginning of the season, we went from zeros across the board for women in every category to 15 women in coaching positions, true coaching positions in the NFL, which was the most in any professional male sport. 
unlike Cheryl, you know, we don't have a place for our female coaches to coach on the W side, right? I'd love to see that, but right now that's the place where they have to go. And so we're looking to help enfranchise women as much as we can with an emphasis on women of color. And we have the first female everything now, first female scout coach, first Asian scout, first black female scout, first black female coach, you name it. If you look across the NFL and when you watch games on Sundays, Thursdays, Mondays, you'll see the sidelines look different now. And that to me is what I'm trying to achieve. I love that. That's about I love that. So was everyone receptive? Were the players, oh my gosh, were the coaches, the other refs? Give me a little bit of color. Yeah. A ton of pushback. I mean, so many bloody knees in this, I can't even tell you. I'll give you a few of examples. I mean, fans on Twitter were relentless, right? A lot of fans were telling me that I'm ruining their sport. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have two female coaches and they were tweeting this petition to try to get them to change their name to the Tampon Bay Buccaneers. And they were saying that they were so furious. I actually want to pose a question to the audience because you asked wow. about pushback with the coaches. Of all the coaches in the NFL, in NFL history, who do you all think would be the hardest one to get on board for this? Belichick, <laughs> resounding Belichick. <laughs> so a couple years, we had our eye on Belichick for a long time. <laughs> And a couple of years ago, we devised a strategy to get him on board for the NFL Women's Forum. And we asked Mike Vrabel, who coaches the Titans and who used to play for Coach Belichick, we asked him to lead a session with our coaches. We thought that if we got Vrabel, we could get Belichick because they're boys. We emailed Belichick, we shot our shot. I didn't know him at all. This was kind of a cold email to him, explained that Mike was doing this and asked if he would teach our coaches and help develop them. And I think it was within minutes, he wrote back, I'd be glad to, and that was like, pinch me moment, right? And we were like, we didn't know what to expect when he came into the room and how is he going to be with the coaches? This is arguably one of the best coaches in any sport of all time. And he started the Zoom off. It was during COVID. And he's like, all right, let's go. You want to talk ball? What's up? Like, what do you want to learn? And they were all just shooting and firing questions. And at the end of the session, he gave all 15 coaches his personal email address, told them to email him questions, and they've all stayed in touch and continued to develop through Bill. We thought that was unattainable to get someone like Bill Belichick on board, but we got him. And we're still waiting for him to hire his first female coach. It's coming, I promise. Uh, but <laughs> I love that story. What's the secret sauce? What what were the key success factors of the women's forum? So we started with one coach. The only coach that would do it at the beginning was Ron Rivera, who is the head coach of the Washington Commanders. And he decided that he wanted to help. And he told me not only, he's like, not this year, but every year I want to be a part of it. And so once we got Ron, the other coaches started coming on board because Ron is a very prominent figure in the NFL. And so we started with Ron, we started adding, adding, adding. And I think the inflection point for the whole effort was when we stopped asking coaches to be a part of it. And when they started calling us to be a part of it, they've now started kind of fighting over the candidates. So during this last women's forum, I had the head coach of the Giants and the head coach of the Browns texting me saying, do not let anyone talk to her. I got her. She's amazing, right? So there's some healthy competition among it too. So it really has changed from starting with one person and then slowly building, building, building to now they want to be a part of it, which is a good inflection point in the program too. All right, Cheryl, you're first at lots of things. First drafted, first signed, first to have a child while playing. Mm -hmm. What's it mean to be first? All of these firsts. So I'm going to add a first to that. I'm going to be the first former WNBA player to hit Sam up for season tickets. <laughs> Yep, it's coming. Come I now. got you, Cheryl. I don't think I ever even really thought about that. I just do what I do. Like I said, I've been playing ball since I was seven. When the WNBA started, 
I knew how important it was for girls out there to see women that look just like them and to give them hope and someone that they can look to and say, someday I want to be her. And I always say, well, be better than her. And then I found out I was pregnant. And I was like, oh my goodness. Immediately, I thought about letting the league down and letting my teammates down and all the sponsors that we had. Because at the time, like I was the first player that signed and there was a lot of marketing and things around me. So I found out I was pregnant. And there was never a question of, am I gonna have the baby? No, it was more about how quickly can I have this baby so I can go back to play? <laughs> but it was nine months. I couldn't have it any sooner than that. The one thing I hoped to portray in the message I wanted to give to every single woman out there, and it's not just for athletes, but even if it's corporate, that you don't have to sacrifice. You don't have to sacrifice your career. You don't have to sacrifice the time you spend with your child or being a mom. But I definitely went through a period of guilt of traveling and practice and leaving my son with my mom or the nanny. But to this day, I say the best thing that happened for me, and I get a little choked up. My son's 25 years old today. But the fact that my son was able to be around the league and be around so many strong, beautiful, powerful women. He has a whole new perspective and respect of what we as women do. Because he saw his mom not sacrifice her career, not sacrifice the time I spent being a mom, it wasn't easy, but that's what we do. So now he looks at the WNBA today, he looks at players today, and he just loves the game. It's not about men's basketball, women's basketball. It's just about basketball. And that's what I loved about being able to have my son and come back and have my son be around the league and be around so many incredible, talented women. So one thing that somebody said to me, it's like juggling. And at some point, you're going to drop a ball, but you're going to pick it back up. We can do this. When you were inducted in the Hall of Fame, mm -hmm. you gave a John Wooden quote and it was something like, the main ingredient to stardom is the rest of the team. Tell us a little bit about how you mentor, how you work with others, how you coach, how you make a team. Because we're all building teams or a member of a team. How do you make a team? I think so many times when you read achievements, right? Like you said, you were the first to do this, the first to do that. I was the only one that had the baby. There was no team there, y'all. But. <laughs> When you look at the achievements, I always say without the different pieces on the team, I'm probably not as successful as I was as an individual. Because I think to have a great team, you have to have different pieces and different players that are willing to accept their role. Not everybody is gonna score 30 a night and have double digit rebounds, but you have to have role players. And the teams that I've been very fortunate to play on, whether that was in the WNBA with the Comets or on the Olympics, every single player on those teams accepted her role. And for me to get inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame, I think for any athlete, that's the ultimate. So it wasn't right for me to not have that quote or not talk about the success of the teams I've played on and how great individuals every single person on that team was because they put me in a position to be successful and they gave me the platform and the space to be able to shine. And without those players, there's no way I would have been the athlete that I was. 
I understand mm -hmm. that. One thing that Cheryl said to me beforehand was she said, let's have fun up there. And she goes, I'm fun, except on the court. <laughs> <laughs> I said, don't be so serious. Yeah, like, trying to make too. eye contact with somebody that's not so serious out there. <laughs> I like to have a good time. I love it. All right, Sam, can you tell us a little bit about how do you take this thought or the forum and create gender equality beyond the NFL? Take this great thing, that this concept that you've built and take it beyond the NFL. Yeah, for us, it really applies to any industry, right? You look at football and you certainly think it's male dominated, but the principle of how we achieved better gender equity fast can be applied to finance, it can be applied to really any industry. And so for us, representation is so incredibly important because our biggest challenge is the pipeline for women. And there are not many women coaching tackle football in this country right now, and so the pipeline is small. Not only do we have women like Jennifer King and Maral Javardifar and other coaches who are showing young girls and young kids in this country that women can coach so they can aspire to do that, but my partner in crime, Jane Goodell, who's sitting over there, started a television show called Earning It, and it's on Peacock. And that show is really meant to demonstrate for any industry, any person, how we got here so quickly, how we achieved the progress, and how you can apply that to your industry as well. But also so young girls can look up and see people that look like them and take that career path. I played football my whole life. Not once did I ever think I could be a coach in the NFL. It never crossed my mind. Mm. Thinking of it now, that would have been bomb. I wish I would have coached in the NFL, right? Too late now, I'm 41. That is something that I want young girls who are growing up to see women who look like them doing it so they can achieve it too. But that show really explains everything of how we got there and it's pretty cool. And you're not too old to be a coach. <laughs> to start? I don't no, know. Right? <laughs> no, you're not. All right, I'm gonna do lightning round at the end. I have three questions. You're both gonna answer them short or long answers. We have a little bit of time. First one, how do we encourage young girls to play sports and live their dreams or shoot for their dreams? You gotta show them what it looks like, right? And I feel like that is such an important component to everything that we're doing and for young girls too, my young daughter, is you have to show them because I'm not a big fan of like t-shirts that say like girls can do everything. It's like, why aren't there t-shirts that say boys can do everything, right? Like it's showing them already that they're less than. And so I think that showing them powerful women or not powerful women who are doing incredible things in this world so they can draw things from certain people to advance. That's what, you know, the small part of what I'm trying to do here is to empower young girls to say, if they can coach in the NFL, I can be the CEO of a bank, right? Like I want them to feel that way. And so that's Jamie, what we're it. doing. <laughs> love it, love it. I agree with that. You have to encourage them. Show them women who look like them. To Sam's point, whatever that is, doesn't necessarily have to be sports, but since you ask about sports, I just believe in giving them every opportunity that the boys have, going back to Title IX, right? To parents, I say, don't discourage your daughter to do one or the other. Let her experience that for herself. Let her decide what she likes, what she doesn't like, what she wants to do, what she doesn't do. Don't try to live out your sports fantasy or professional athlete fantasy through your child. Give her that opportunity to decide what she wants to do for herself. You all remember that image of Cheryl carrying her little baby at, I think it was at halftime, and I think Michael Jordan was there or something, and I remember growing up seeing that, and I can't imagine how many young moms saw that and said, I can do it, because you were the first to ever do it. We've never seen that image before on television, right? But what you don't know about that is, and this is, seriously, I probably was either headed to go breastfeed my son at halftime or after, because I did do that during games. 
What is your favorite moment in sports in 2022? Am I first? Yes, please. First? No, you're first. first. Okay. Well, now that I have an NFL hookup, this is my favorite moment <laughs> oh, right here. Oh, God. <laughs> I can retire right now. This is my favorite moment. <laughs> but before this, no doubt about it, watching, to me, the greatest of all time, Serena Williams. Mm. That's good. That's good. For Sam? Sure. We didn't talk about this before, but we knew we were going to have the same answer, so I won't go Serena, but that was my that. answer. I knew that. Mine is my four-year-old son's moment. We were at a birthday party, and there was a pinata, and they said all the little kids should come up first to hit the pinata, so all the little kids were tapping, 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 and my son freaking took a bat and wailed <laughs> it, and the whole thing blew up, and my wife and I act like we won the Super Bowl, like, we're like, ah! And where that was like the best sports moment. I know it's not really a sport, but whatever. Yeah, it was baseball it bat. And we were losing our mind. I'll never forget that moment. Oh God, it was so nice. cool. And so that was my favorite moment. That's and so good. I taught him how to throw a football, but I didn't know he could swing a baseball bat. But uh, I love that it. was it. And I'm playing it cool sitting next to Cheryl Swoops, but like I'm dying inside right now. We both are. We both are. All right. Last question. Last question. Who's your sports idol? Okay, Sam. I mean, I had the privilege, I don't know how I got this privilege of speaking to Billie Jean King for our podcast. And I asked her specifically about the criticism that we endure and, and how to face that. And she taught me that criticism is a compliment and it's the price that you pay for being a pioneer. Mm. And she said, if you're not getting criticized, you're probably not doing anything. And like that, I can't tell you how much that flipped my reaction to the criticism. And I almost love it now, because I'm like, okay, Billie Jean King said, I'm doing something, right? If they're calling me names or whatever it is. So that really changed my perception of it. And I think that was the best advice I've gotten thus far. I'm yeah. gonna borrow that. That's Take good, it. that's good. The other greatest of all time, besides Serena, the one and only Michael Jordan. Mm. I was fortunate enough to actually meet him and work a basketball camp with him and all that good stuff. But I remember when I found out I was pregnant, I went to a Chicago Bulls game. I don't remember who they were playing because it was all about Michael Jordan. It wasn't about anybody else. And I walked up to him when the game was over and he put his hand on my stomach and was like, oh, so you're pregnant. Yeah. I said to him, I said, I would be honored if you would let me name my son after you. Oh. And his response was, if he has a good jump shot. <laughs> and my response, because you know I always got to come back with something. My response was, he's going to have a better jump shot than you ever had. <laughs> We're still working on that part. Yeah, Michael Jordan is, without a doubt, was my childhood role model, sports idol, and to this day, he probably still is. Thank you for listening to this conversation from Leadership Day 2022. I hope you enjoyed Sam and Cheryl's stories and lessons from the sports industry. It's encouraging to hear how women are driving change in a typically male-dominated field. And it's even more encouraging that they've been strongly supported by male leaders like Michael Jordan and Bill Belichick. Leadership Day is intended to inspire attendees and give them actionable takeaways and insights to use in their lives. Thank you to Cheryl, Sam, and Lauren for being part of this day and for inspiring so many others. The mission of Women on the Move is to help women in their professional and personal lives. Our goal is to introduce you to people with great ideas, inspiring stories, and a passion to make a difference. To learn more about Women on the Move and listen to the full library of this podcast, 
please visit jpmorganchase.com slash W-O-T-M. For JPMorgan Chase's Women on the Move, I'm Sam Saperstein. JPMorgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC.